I had one question though. How do you separate the shame from the no shame categories? I mean, is is this based upon media reports or social media posts or how do you determine that? I so it's it's completely up to my discretion. Uh, <laughs> typically, when I'm, when I'm when I'm reading a report, I'll just basically like read the report and be like, oh, you know, <laughs> that could happen to anybody, and I'll say no shame. And then if it's something I read and I'm like, what an idiot, I'll say that's a shame. So if you have to say what an idiot, that's that. So, I'm Pontius Pilate. Yeah. I'm like washing my hands of this this travesty here. I have nothing to do with yes. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, so, Stomp does not do any judgment. He is here to just give us advice on how to stay safe. Wisdom. I'm the one that does the judgment. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, right. But there's like nothing scientific about it. It's okay. just me saying like shame or no shame. And I do get input from the Facebook group that um, will, you know, we'll usually post these up and then you know, the, the, the hive will start communicating about like what their opinion is on it. A lot of times it's like, oh my God, we should have a, uh, a giant community <laughs> Zoom call with all these people. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. I think that would be chaos. Broadcasting from the Woodpecker Studio in the great state of New Hampshire, welcome to the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast, where we discuss all things related to hiking and search and rescue in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Here are your hosts, Mike and Stump. Episode 10, the best swimming in the White Mountains that does not include Wheels Teal Water Park. <laughs> if they're even open. Yeah, do you go there, right? The wheel, wheel tail? Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. I mean, it's like the cleanest, awesome. cleanest place. Great service. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Never any crowds. Nice, nice. All right, so for episode 10, we've got a, a special guest here. We've got Jimmy Chaga from last week's episode. We talked about him. The legend is here. How's it going? Thank you very much. Good, good. Welcome, Jimmy. Uh, and then, do we have another? Do we have another special guest coming, or is that not going to happen? Uh, I don't know. She may be on the trail still, trying to flick those ticks off her legs. I'm not quite sure. We'll see. Cool, cool. All right, so um, let's get rolling here. So this week, we're going to um, step away from hiking a little bit and cover some of the the best swimming experiences in the White Mountains. So if you're looking to cool off this summer and maybe do a little cliff or bridge jumping. Uh, we're joined this week by our friend Jimmy, who will break down some places where you can cool off during those warm summer days, and we'll give you some tips to stay safe while swimming. And then later on the show, we will cover some recent search and rescues. We've got one on Mount Mariah, and we've got one on Welsh Dickey. Uh, we're also going to talk about tick safety. It's that time of the year, mm -hmm. and... Um, we're also going to provide some info on the gear that we're using for summer day hikes. And then we'll wrap up the show by going over the five or six most noteworthy search and rescue events that happened in the Whites in 2020. And this will be something that we'll use as a uh, reminder and a, a lesson on what not to do this spring and summer on the trails. Um, so we can get Stomp's take on how to avoid getting in trouble during this busy summer hiking season. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm Mike. And I'm Stomp. Let's get to it. I think uh, started off with we're going to be talking about what we're drinking, and then with Jimmy. I don't think Jimmy's a drinker, so we'll have to find out what what he's up to. It's probably no good, but 
What, uh, yeah, it's always good. Always good. So, uh, I actually just had my anniversary. Um, May, May 5th was my, uh, eighth year of sobriety. Oh, really? That's fantastic. Yeah. Now, was, yep. that, was that a health, uh, conscious thing or were you, uh, were you just out of control? You decided you didn't know. No, no, it was, I actually did a, um, like a tough mutter and I quit drinking for a month before, before the event. And then I just felt great. And, um, wasn't hungover, and then I was like, "All right, well, I'll try it another month." And then I just went another month, and then it just like became one of those things where I just wanted to keep it like a streak going. So, eight years later, here I am. I had a similar run with uh, when my my third was born. I, I just stopped drinking, and uh, I was getting a little fat and out of shape, and I decided to pick up running again. So it's hmm. very good, very good. So, um, but Stomp is not as health conscious as we are. So, what do you uh, what are you drinking tonight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just drinking and getting fat and just like loving it. That's great. <laughs> nice. 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 <laughs> no, I'm not drinking anything but a uh, a black coffee. I picked something up today. It's called the um Solid Wall of Sound and it's from Untold Brewing in Situate. So it's an <laughs> with, IPA. Where the hell do you find? drinks i don't know i picked my beer based on like whether or not i i actually picked this one specifically because i was like stomp as an audio guy and he'll <laughs> like that i picked out a wall of sound but apparently you don't give a shit <laughs> the, the wall of sound like the podcast listeners want to hear the wall of me and you talking for an hour <laughs> i don't know i don't know you're the audio guy so i figured you'd like it so yeah and jimmy you uh so you're not drinking you're doing anything else to to keep you loose tonight i had a couple of gummy bears but um that's about it gummy oh well, we're in massachusetts so you, you're allowed to have those that is correct yep i'm an adult and i like to uh use it for recreational use nice very cool yeah do you do you, know, do you you take gummy beers when you go hiking or, or whatever edibles when you go hiking yes of course <laughs> look at me <laughs> very nice very cool. yeah. last time i hiked with him he actually ate a one pound chunk of chaga <laughs> yeah yeah yes yeah, one one sitting does chaga do anything to you i don't even know what chaga is so last episode we talked about jimmy chaga and how you guys found like chaga is a mushroom but like i don't know i know people talk about it and they make tea out of it but like what does it do i don't really know much but i can tell you that i called about like 18 places around my local area and they weren't willing to buy it <laughs> so yeah. i gave it away to somebody that was health conscious huh. very nice and is that what you, you make tea out of it right it's a mushroom you make tea out of apparently yeah yeah some antioxidant um yeah. cancer fighting you know stuff so very nice it's like very bitcoin nice. i mean it's like just lots of money there if you can angle it right <laughs> very cool <laughs> um all right so before we so i want to talk about some recent hikes and then we're gonna just get into some some discussions about keeping ticks off of you so Stomp wanted to do a segment on this he's very excited but um before we get into that i just wanted to give some housekeeping updates on the podcast so we've i think as we're recording this we just released episode six so we're like four or five weeks behind um but we've been working on i didn't call this out last week but we've been working on some updates on the the slasher podcast.com website so um 
we've added a couple of thing, pieces of information in there that I think people will find interesting or helpful. So we have on the slasherpodcast.com site, we've uploaded a what, what we call the search and rescue database. So this is a database of search and rescue events that had been published in the media for the last two years. And I, I basically track this. So anytime a news report comes out, I just I write down what the mountain is, what the trail is, who the person is, their age, gender, and then I give it a rating. Like I basically say shame or no shame. So if it's if it's shame, that means they basically fucked up and they're to blame. And then if it's no shame, it's just like a slip and fall incident. So a lot of times when we're talking about well, I'm, when I'm talking about search and rescues, like I'll say, oh, we're rating this one a shame or we're rating it no shame. So, uh, so that's on the website. And then we also have a search and rescue report from 2020, which breaks down all the data on the media published search and rescue events in New Hampshire and the White Mountains. So you can look through that. Um, and then in addition to the search and rescue info, we've uploaded hiking routes. So um, I have probably four or five years worth of Strava data that I've pulled up. So if you're looking to do a hike on a particular mountain, you can scroll through this, this hiking route database and get, get the tracks and you get elevation and, and distance and, and all that fun stuff. So hmm. doesn't exclude you from using a map though, Stomp. Oh yeah, sure. I had one question though. How do you separate the shame from the no shame categories. I mean, is is this based upon media reports or social media posts or how do you determine that? I so it's it's completely up to my discretion. Uh, <laughs> typically, when I'm when I'm, when I'm reading a report, I'll just basically like read the report and be like, oh, you know, that could happen to anybody, and I'll say no shame. And then if it's something I read and I'm like, what an idiot, I'll say that's a shame. So. If you have to say what an idiot. That's I'm Pontius Pilate. I'm like washing my hands of this this travesty here. I have nothing to do with yes. it. Yeah, yeah. You, so Stomp does not do any judgment. He is here to just give us advice on how to stay safe. I'm the Wisdom. one that does the judgment. Yeah, yeah right. So, but there's like nothing scientific about it. It's okay. just me saying like shame or no shame. And I do get input from the Facebook group that um, will. You know, we'll, we'll usually post these up, and then you know, the 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 hive will start communicating about like what their opinion is on it. A lot of times, it's like, oh my god, we should have a uh, a giant community <laughs> Zoom call with all these people. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, I think that would be chaos. So anyway, but that's the housekeeping. So go on to the slasherpodcast dot com website and take a look at the search and rescue database take a look at the search and rescue report and then if you want to go you know look at good hiking routes um i've got probably every four thousand footer covered i've got almost every 52 with a view covered and i've got every terrifying 25 covered and then i even have some overnight traverses and stuff that that i've done so um if you're lazy and you don't feel like reading the books or looking at maps you can just look at this database Cool. Now, hey, before we move on, has there been any feedback, like <laughs> pro or con, regarding this podcast or what? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got some feedback. I, I don't want any feedback. So if you, if you will, we do need to give our, our email address so you can send feedback, which is the slasher podcast. That might be in the shame category right now. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you want to give us feedback, you can, you can email us at the slasher podcast at gmail.com email address. But really, um, yeah, they get a little bit of feedback. Like I, I cannot pronounce Musalaki correctly. So, uh, <laughs> Stomp, you, how do you pronounce it? Musalak. Jimmy, how do you pronounce it? Musalak. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, f- <laughs> no, you guys are idiots. So I say Musalaki, <laughs> but, you know, so I got some feedback saying that I don't say it correctly. So I'll now say it <laughs> Musalak, but you can say it either way. It doesn't matter. Um, oh. But there's a bunch of words in the White Mountains like that. Like there's Pemi, Pemigawasset and there's a different way to say Pemigawasset, right? Pemigawasset, Pemigawasset, yeah. who knows? Yeah, yeah. So there's a bunch. And then there's trip, Tripoli Road and Triple I Road. Yeah. It depends if you've had the pizza up at uh, Salisbury Beach or not. Triple I, Triple E. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't even say Kankamangus anymore because I can't pronounce it. So I just say the kank. Yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So we get a little bit of feedback, but it's overall everybody seems to like it. So I mean, the ten people that are listening to this dumb podcast seem happy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So moving on to um, recent hikes. So stop. We're going to hold off on you because we're going to go right into a discussion about ticks after. Yeah. After this, but. So, Jimmy, have you been out on any hikes recently? Yeah, no, I was able to get out with uh, Stomp, but um, I don't know what the name of the trail is because usually he says, let's go, and I say, okay, you know, I just follow him. Yeah, and then Jimmy says, let's keep on going. I'm like, uh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so where did you guys go? No, that was a good time. We did uh, Georgiana and Harvard Falls. Oh, yes. Cool. And I brought Jackson along too, and he he had an absolute blast. And Ginger came with us as well. So, oh, nice. Yeah, Ginger's the dog, super dog. Oh yeah, very cool. Um, <laughs> I, but other than that, I was up in Tuckerman's about um, maybe about a month, month and a half ago, or something like that. Um, Jenny and I went up. We spent the night in Gorham, and uh, then we climbed up. And I did uh, Left Gully and Right Gully, and it was an awesome day. So, oh wow, you guys are here. Oh, so, did you go all all the way to the top? Of Tuckerman? Uh, I just went up to the top of Bluff Gully and then came down that. Um, and then I, it was so nice and the sun was still shining on the right right side. Then I went up uh, the right side. I was like mashed potatoes up there. There's a lot of people up there, but it wasn't um, wasn't like the you know the biggest crowd yet. But it was a really nice like early weekend to get out there. And did you have your split board or were you um, just carrying it? Yeah, no, I, I, um, I split boarded up and, uh, Jenny hiked in. So she was, she was about an hour behind me on the, um, on the, uh, trail end because I, she, I just couldn't wait. Like when you scan the city, you're so much faster than a hiker. Uh, yeah. so I just waited for her at Hojo's before we climbed up into the bowl. Very cool. Very cool. So for people that aren't familiar, a split board is, is it's a snowboard that, that splits in half that allows you to actually skin, which is using skis to um, go up a mountain. So uh, it's, a, it's a very cool. And then when, when you want to use it as a snowboard, you just basically reconnect it and then you can snowboard, snowboard down. Uh, so mm-hmm. Jimmy was up on Tuckerman doing that, which is very cool. Yeah. More and more places are allowing people to actually use 
proper trails like a Canon. I think they have a trail that's dedicated for uh, skinners. Yeah, they sell uh, uphill tickets now, so you pay like ten bucks or something like that, and you can hike up as many times as you want and use the trail system on the way down. Do uh, skiers give you a hassle? Did they give you stink eye or what? No. Not at all. I mean, skiers do it too. I mean, skiers are skinning up there too, you know, so okay. it's not just water. Because I remember back in the day, like snowboarding, man, skiers would give you stink eye like you wouldn't believe back in the 80s. It was, it was yeah. rough. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a little different. I think now, I think, um, I think more, it's more accepting, you know, a lot, a lot more people are seeing a mixture of skiers and snowboarders. A lot of kids, you know, start out half and half. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously it's easy to learn how to ski, um, right away, right off the bat, but um, you see a lot of younger kids snowboarding. So I think it's, I think that sport has caught on. And I think it's more, more widely accepted now for sure. Awesome, that's good to know. Very cool. Yeah, well, summer's coming, but next year definitely Jimmy's going to be our expert backcountry <laughs> ski person. Oh, awesome! For any questions, so cool. So Stomp went up and did a hike and then got absolutely buried by ticks. So we wanted to do a segment on tick safety here. So Stomp, you want to get into it? Yeah, you bet. Um, <laughs> this was the, the first hike with my new hip. Uh, for people that have been following it, I had a hip replacement in March. Um, this is the first time I summited a peak, which was really great. But um, the eastern side of no, not the eastern, the western side of Mount Plymouth, out of uh, Plymouth, New Hampshire, there is a portion that's about maybe a quarter mile that is just sort of low-cut grass, uh, muddy, a lot of water and rocks. And uh, I didn't anticipate any issues with ticks, but um, covering that section, I was covered in ticks, like at least a dozen ticks on my legs, my shoes, um, in my socks, my boots. It was unbelievable. So it took a good amount of time to get those things off, and then uh, <laughs> it was not fun. But uh, so you you took everything off while you were hiking? No, no. I mean, generally, if if I have an issue with ticks, there are a couple strategies that I use. I mean, I'll I'll put my socks over my pants so that the ticks can't get into my pants and onto my body. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'll do is I'll, I'll look like a uh, German kid, like in, in the Alps, running around with his, his knickers up, up to his knees. Um, and what you do is you roll your socks down once or twice. And what tends to happen, the ticks will come up and get stuck under the fold of your socks. So that's what I did today, and thank God, I mean, it worked. It worked really well. I caught a bunch of them, and um, I just flicked them off, picked them up, threw them. But uh, it was so bad that um, my hiking partner and I, who I'll talk about in a minute, we had to actually bushwhack out a whole separate direction to get back to my uh, truck to avoid this section. It was It was that bad. And this was on Plymouth Mountain? Yes. If you're in... Plymouth, and you're heading down Tenney Mountain Drive, you hit that rotary, you can either head north towards uh, Wentworth, Warren. If you head south towards Hebron, when you come to the height of land where there's a sign that says, you know, take a ride to Sculptured Rocks, there's a really subtle road right to the left. And from that point, you drive up um, basically snowmobile roads 
to um, a trailhead. It's unmarked. There's a couple little, you know, side shoulders that you can park on. From there, you can make your way up to the backside of Plymouth. There's a whole other way to get to Plymouth Mountain, but this backside is like one and a half miles up. So it's really quick and easy. But the problem with that is it's it's less traveled. The trail is less marked and um, just ticks. There's a whole army of ticks over there. <laughs> yeah, Are there good views on? I've never heard of this mountain, so I, I don't, I'm curious. Plymouth is awesome. You come to a series of ledges that overlook the Sandwich Range. So you can look either south towards Laconia and the Belknaps and the Squams. Um, from where we were today, you could see clearly Chikora all the way through Passaconaway, Whiteface. You could you could pinpoint the Tri-Pyramids, uh, Sandwich Dome. I mean, it was just perfect today. It was really beautiful. So Plymouth, Plymouth is in my top five, and my top five is always evolving. <laughs> but it, but Plymouth constantly comes up in the top five. It's it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I've honestly never heard of it before, so it's it's in. I'll have to go check it out. But it's, so it's really neat. So you got buried in ticks, though. That's the one one drawback. So yeah, what um. In your expert opinion, like I get it, like the socks and all that stuff, but realistically, like you want to be a little bit more proactive in, in tick safety. So what are, what's your best advice for prevention stomp? Yeah, there's one step before you get to the medicinal approaches, but um, I mean, knowing the topography that these, these friggin' buggers love, they love grass whether it's low or high without a tree canopy i mean in my bushwhacking experience that's where you get them if there's canopy above you you're good if there's if, if it's open sky and there's grass they're going to be all over you i mean that's take it to the bank that's how it works um but beyond that i mean the, the sprays i mean you have permethrin you have the deet um i'm not too familiar with the oils but um from what i understand the permethrin is probably the way to go to really limit the ability of these little buggers to get on you and do some damage yeah yeah and so the permethrin is a spray so what you do is you actually will treat your sneakers if you use you know, summertime hiking gaiters you, you treat those treat your socks and then any any clothes that you're going to wear and i you know basically you just spray them with the permethrin and then let it dry. And then it usually is good for what, like six or seven washes, I think, before you have to treat them again. Mm. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. And I, I've heard people talk about like treating their tent, but I, I don't know about that. I, depending on the tent that you own, like you'd have to keep an eye out for whether or not that might damage the waterproofing or, or something. Like I, I don't think that I would spray my tent, but mm -hmm. I, I don't know what the rules are for that. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I've never had a problem with it. Again, if you know where they live, you can avoid it. On the way up, we had, you know, 12 plus ticks on us. On the way down, we bushwhacked to circumvent that little stretch of grass and open canopy and no problem at all. I had one little guy on me and I flicked him off. Yeah, yeah. and I know people, some people do not like uh, permethrin just because it is, you know, it's a chemical. And I do know right. for a fact that when it's not dry, it can be poisonous to cats. So I think Stomp, you're married to a crazy cat lady. So I think you, you uh, probably yeah. have to be pretty careful. Yeah, but, you know, that's actually good information. I mean, we're trying to get rid of a couple of cats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
All right, we'll have to delete this out just so nobody hears. Um, but the other, you know, the other chemicals that you can use is DEET. So, um, you know, you, and DEET, the good thing about DEET is you can spray that directly on your body. And I think that it gives like a couple of hours worth of protection. And then I went on the CDC website and they, they also talk about oil of lemon eucalyptus. Um, and there's a whole list on the CDC website that I will I'll link in the show notes about products that you can use. Like, like skin so soft from Avon is on there, but like they say, oh, yeah, it gives like yeah, an yeah. hour's worth of protection. But the, the thing that I will caution people about is you'll get like these people that will tell you like, Oh, use this essential oil for tick prevention and stuff. And I would be very weary about anything that's not, on the CDC website, because you've got a lot of these people like, I'm sorry if you're into like the multi-level marketing and you're a hun that thinks that they own their own business, but like your essential oils are probably not going to help with ticks. So um, just be careful about that. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, these guys are like Navy SEALs. I mean, they jump on your skin. They're they're marathoning up your leg. It's It was unbelievable. I, I've heard from farmers that this season is unbelievable and really bad. And I would tend yeah. to agree from what I experienced today. It's like, holy moly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, so it probably is bad. Like you, you definitely don't want to get bit by a tick because, you know, it can rock your world. Like some people just have these long-term issues, but I've been hiking for about eight or nine years. And I can tell you that I have yet to have a, a spring go by where it hasn't been the worst tick season of, the, of, of, of all time. So I, you never know. <laughs> right. Yeah, every year it's like, you know, this is going to be the worst tick year ever. Um, well, <laughs> yeah, until something like today happens. I'm like, yeah, what stomp, the hell? Stomp's convinced. Yeah. So, um, a couple of other things, like just going back to what Stomp said about like um, just knowing where these little critters live, like in all seriousness, like I do not go off of the trail. Like I was in the Ossipi Range and it's carriage trails and it's like tall grass. It's exactly what you describe around um, where you can pick up ticks. And I just stay on the trail itself and the, the less grass and the more rock I can step on, the better it is. Oh, yeah. So I'll consciously just hike jumping rock to rock to avoid ticks when I'm in the whites. Yep, no question. And yeah, I've never had one, but um, Mm. the other thing is, is it's important to do a tick check after after your hike. So if you have a significant other, you can usually like ask them to do a tick check. Um, And Jimmy, you want to give us an idea of where, what areas of the body would be best to check (laughs) after a hike? Jimmy Chagan knows a tick check. Where I would check is probably, um, I, would, I would probably check the armpits, um, the legs, um, the groin, crotch area. Um, that's, that's where I would look. Okay. Yep. Yeah. The other two that I'm thinking of, so you, you hit most of the spots there. Um, the other one is the belly button and Ooh. then behind, behind Ooh. your ear as well. Interesting. That's so nasty. Uh, yeah, well, I definitely wouldn't want to be the person responsible for checking Stomp's crotch for ticks. I'll, I'll check his belly button. <laughs> yeah, you can check his belly button. So anyway, but seriously, like folks, like I think, you know, the per- permethrin, like some people just don't like chemicals and I get it, but it's your best bet is um, at, at minimum spray your socks, spray your sneakers. And that's usually the entry point is at the feet. Um, and if you do get a tick, um, on you and you get a tick bite, like 
I got nothing. I don't really know. I've never gotten bit by a tick, but I think there's like a tick key that you can pull the tick out. And I know you're not supposed to leave the the leg in and you're supposed to go to the doctor, but, or you're supposed to save the tick oh, and bring geez, it to really? the doctor so that they can test it. I don't know. I don't know. Stomp. Do you have any, do you know that uh, like convenient stop um, gas station at the base of 16 when you're heading north towards Pinkham? Yep. There's that little gas station right there. I went in there after that Glen Boulder hike and I went into the bathroom and I, I just randomly, that's when I discovered the tick on my ribs. So I basically used my key <laughs> after my very brief panic mode to like, ah. <laughs> mm-hmm. so I used my key and I think the trick is to get your, like a, you know, a blunt object, whether it be a key or whatever, in between their head and the pinchers. You can't dislodge the head. So you, if you get between your skin and their head, in between the pinches and just push out, they'll just plop right out. I mean, it's not really difficult to get them off. Yeah, the trick is you can't dislodge the head because that's apparently when the um, the virus or the you know the the potential for infection would increase. Got it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I just haven't had that many ticks on me that I'm aware of. And I do know that, like, I know people that have gotten Lyme disease and it can absolutely rock your world. So yeah. just be careful out there. It's it's that time of the year. Mm-hmm. So I'll take you up to Plymouth Mountain next week. <laughs> we can check it Thank out. Thank you. <laughs> Very good. Rolling Very around good. the grass. <laughs> All right. Anything else we want to talk about about ticks, or we want to move on to our swimming hole segment? Let's do it. Let's summer's coming. Let's do the swimming hole Jimmy with Chaga. Jimmy Chaga. Jimmy Chaga. So we should do a formal intro for Jimmy. So oh hell yeah! It's time for Slasher's guest of the week. Jimmy, you want to talk about how you met me and Stomp? We did isolation together, and then I. And then I oh, jumped. that's right. Yeah, we went up. Global. Yeah, I think you guys gave me a car ride home that night because Jenny ended up leaving early and uh, dropping me off to go with you guys because I had just done. Um, oh, I can't even remember any of the names of the mountains anymore, but the one that's like in the um, in the Pemi. Yeah, I did Owl's Head that that prior to that day, and then and then I did uh, isolation with you guys. So. Uh, I think that was the first day I met Mike. Yeah, but that's really cool. But going back to that Glen Boulder trip, that was awesome. What's the name of that trail that goes from Glen Boulder over to Isolation? Rocky Branch. Oh, that hell yeah. Great. That was just amazing. Great trip. Oh, that oh, no, was- D- Davis Path, and then you get onto Rocky Branch. Okay. I mean, it reminded me of the Kate Sleepers, like just like remote blowdowns. I mean, I, yeah, I remember the trail being fairly somewhat broken. But uh, what a great time that was. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember it. Like, uh, So me and Stomp, you've known each other through the Mount Washington Road Race for years. And I think I had posted some photos of winter hiking. And then Stomp, you must have just reached out to me and um, said, hey, let's do winter hiking at some point. And then, like, you know, we just got together and Jimmy was there. And yeah, we just did the Glen Boulder to isolation and then out the, uh, the Rocky branch trail. And that was an epic day in the win- winter hike. Mm-hmm. And then from there, Stomp and I have done a million other crazy little hikes, rare, just rare places that people have seen in the, in the whites. Mike, we did the triathlon together. I finished your basement off, you know, it's just yes. a bunch of, a bunch yes. of good relationship building stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. Jimmy is um, responsible for the uh, 
building out the woodpecker studio south version so it's, it's nice nice <laughs> finished basement and jimmy can attest to the fact that i'm the first person in history to actually put my feet in a snowboard binding <laughs> yeah. launcher. I, one foot i just want to be clear one foot <laughs> <laughs> one foot yeah as soon as the board touched the soft snow and then hit that ice crust i said i don't think this is a good idea <laughs> we tried did you you guys didn't ski down the watcher did you he, 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 tra- he strapped in with one foot and uh and i was basically holding him so that he could uh strap in with the other foot and we just looked at each other and we're like yeah this this shouldn't happen tonight <laughs> this is the, the the right slide or the left slide <clears throat> below it just oh, below it okay, so it's like all right, like so if you're looking at the bad, yeah. yeah like the letter y it, it was just below the the junction and uh the idea it, this took me like three three attempts to get that damn board up there so i i the second attempt i got the board up there and then jimmy and i uh went up together and uh tried to get you know, it was just ridiculous. Uh, on a Friday night at like <laughs> 10 o'clock at night under the stars. You know. Yeah. <laughs> just crazy. Yeah, yeah. So we'll do a uh, we'll do a future show on the Watcher. The Watcher is a hike that is in Franconia Notch, and I think we've mentioned it on episode one a little bit. Uh, matter of fact, I was just on social media this week, and somebody had posted an article from WMUR about the Watcher, and there was a lady on there that was freaking out, and she was like, "This is a top secret information. Oh, yes. You should be talking about this." And oh, please. I'm like, I was like, well, it's, it's out there, you know, it's, it's, but it's a dangerous hike from the perspective of it's, it's a slide and, you know, you got to be careful, but. Oh, it's in the grand scheme of things. It's, it's not secret anymore. It's not secret. And it's, it's gotten gotten worse over the last couple of years. I think like as as far as like um, the steepness goes and, and on the left side, especially, but even on the right side, we used to have some like patches of grass and stuff to kind of grab onto. Um, I feel like, either you know a lot more of the weather has affected that area or a lot more traveled it's it's becoming a lot more treacherous yeah yeah i was up there in i think august and i did a solo because i just i did the sugar loaves and uh, i had some extra time i was i had some extra time to kill because i wanted to go to the mountain wanderer bookstore so i actually climbed up the watcher and i went up the right side slide and there is this is some boulders that is the size of like refrigerators that are just you can move them with your hands and mm-hmm. if they let go they're they're gonna rock somebody's world if they're below you but um yeah it's i mean it is dangerous it's a dangerous like there's no question about it but it's not secret and it's doable if you're an experienced hiker and you want to have a you know a great adventure it's it's a nice nice day i just want to add to that my five-year-old uh when my son was five he did it in crocs it's amazing yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's amazing. Or it's it's or it's bad parenting. <laughs> or it's bad. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to say anything, but we also left the EpiPen in the, in the glove box by accident. Yeah, yeah. Whoops. Um, <laughs> it could be an episode: bad parenting versus epic adventures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to do an episode with hiking with kids. So we'll bring you back on that one, Jimmy. I think bad parenting. It equals epic hikes, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, true. <Exactly. laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, moving on. 
Slasher's Hiking Topic of the Week. I think, you know, we all love to hike, uh, but we just want to expand the topics a little bit on the on the podcast to, you know, bring in some additional information. So we talked about waterfalls, and I think a lot of times when we do, we talk about waterfalls, like there's swimming that goes along with that. So any of the the waterfalls that we talked about, I think you can, you can reference the show notes from previous shows. I think it's episode eight, and you'll get some good swimming hole information, but we wanted to bring Jimmy onto this show in particular because he, you know, he's got younger kids. So me and Stomp, our kids are older and don't want to really hang out with us. But uh, Jimmy's got a young guy, Jackson, that uh, still thinks that he's cool. That'll that'll end soon enough. But f- for now, he still thinks that his dad is super cool, and they do a ton of really cool swimming in the white. So we thought that this would be a perfect episode to bring Jimmy Chaga on to talk about. Um, good swimming spots. So um, we've got three specifically that we're going to talk about. So I think Jimmy has one, Stomp has one, and then I have one. But I'm sure that as we go along, we're going to add a couple of bonus uh, pointers. I have eight listed. Yeah, I'm a top eight. You have eight? Okay, perfect. So let's do it. Very nice. So let's get into it. So, Jimmy, do you want to kick it off with your your best advice about swimming holes in the whites? Yeah, I mean, the most important is uh, probably just make sure that you know what you're jumping into. Yeah. As far as you know, early early um, early season swimming, um, you know, sometimes the water is just way too cold to get into. Like right about now, like you know, it could be a really nice hot day, mm-hmm. but you know, it's in the water looks tempting. But there's been some you know fatalities up like towards ladies' bathtubs, uh, for instance where people have gone in, they just, it's just too cold, you know? And then also, you know, you don't know what moved around over the winter or what got pushed around. If there's a, a rock under where you used to jump last year, I feel like rivers, you always have to make sure that you jump in and kind of look around first before you just take the plunge and, you know, jump off a cliff or, you know, have, try to have some fun because it could make a really good day go really bad quickly, you know? So that's maybe some basic safety advice, I would say. Yeah, so it's it's um, early May right now. So when when do you think? Like, at what point in the summer does it get to the get to a, a stage where it's it's reasonable for um, for you to be jumping into this this water and not freezing to death? Uh, I mean, Stomp could probably uh, attest to it uh, as well. But like, I would say probably like June it starts getting like okay, you know. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I've been looking at for the last few seasons the um, the internet sites for the water temperature of Winnipesaukee. And that's been sort of a good guideline. That's one reference point that you can use. But yeah, I, I, I'm thinking like late June, you're good to go. Yeah, I mean, what what uh, month do we do the triathlon in, in uh, at Echo Beach? I think that was uh, a little after the 4th of July. So that was the White Mountain Triathlon that is in, uh, was that Echo Lake uh, right in front of Cannon? Yeah, I thought we did that in June, though. That's why I thought we had to wear wetsuits. Hmm. Yeah, it could be. That water could never be. warms up. <laughs> yeah, it's so cold all the time. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So, Jimmy, what uh, what's on your list here? You want to start uh, going down and giving us yeah. advice on some good spots? So, I'll just do a quick run-through from my uh, top eight, and I'll just give you a couple quick bullet points that I have on, um, on each one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So, <clears throat> number eight on my list would probably be Livermore Falls. Infamous. Just because it's... It's got a lot of it's got a lot to offer. Um, there's a rope swing that's attached to the bottom of the bridge. That's fun, um, not too dangerous. It is on 
other people's property, I believe. So you could get a ticket for trespassing. The cops kind of try to crack down on on that area because uh, a lot of people get injured and stuff jumping off the cliffs. But how high is the cliff jump? The cliff jump is probably about 70. 40 feet, maybe? 70 feet. I mean, what? How tall are you? Uh, six feet. <sighs> I'm, I'm, that's, a, that's a lie. I'm five eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm five ten. Six on a good day. <laughs> I'm on a podcast, I'm six two. Here's my point of reference on that because when when I saw you jump off that primary cliff, I was on the other side. So I'm just like thinking back in my memory hole here how many jimmies it would take to hit that water. And I'm thinking <laughs> it's at least eight eight jimmies to like meet the water. So six times eight, forty eight. That's at least fifty feet. All right, we'll say 50 feet. I, I believe it's a 50-foot cliff. I think the bridge is like, uh, if you jump from the bridge, I think that's like 60 feet. Yeah, see? I'm so the question, is, the way I the way I look at this is like, do you need to wear sneakers jumping off of it into the water, or can you go barefoot? You need Kevlar when you're jumping off of Livermore. <laughs> yeah, no, you definitely, like, sneakers definitely work well. Not only for, like, entering the water so your feet don't slap, but, like, getting up to where you need to jump off and make your footing's good to jump off. Now, also tuck your arms in because if you have your arms out like I did, you'll have a big splash and your shoulders might want to pop out of their sockets. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so it's high, it's high enough to be dangerous. So, so Livermore Falls, and that's on that's on ninety three, like right by Thornton and Plymouth, mm-hmm. that area. Yeah, correct. And then if you go on one seventy five, there's a there's a state run beach. Um, that's accessible and you can picnic and there's a parking lot. I think it's like five bucks a car, you know, and there's a little trail that goes down to it. And I think a lot of kids from like Plymouth state go down there and like relax during, you know, you know, they don't have class and stuff like that. So yeah. Um, nice little area. It, and like all of like many of these areas, like anything that involves jumping is the the legality of that may be uh, a bit of a gray area right yeah there's a um i think that this that's been privately owned where where everybody jumps that's private land so i think there's, there's typically on average one fatality there like a year i think and mm. they so they try to make sure that they patrol it pretty heavily um when the water levels down so that you know when people jump they don't like they don't get hurt on the rocks and there's other stuff that's in, there's an old mill just north of the uh of the where everybody jumps into so there's just debris down in the bottom of the gorge and that gets moved around and oh, yeah. um it's just not really a safe place to be honest with you but it's also fun so what are you gonna do got it so you gotta balance that out but um our official stance is that enjoy the, the legal swimming but we have no um we're not encouraging anyone to do any. Well, job. yeah, I think I would agree with Jimmy though. It's like the rope swing is probably fair game, but I would assess the situation before you try to do it. But if you start jumping cliffs, then that's a whole different ball game. If it, and there are people that jump off of the trestle that crosses the gorge, and that's got to be eighty feet or whatever, and that's where people get into big trouble. I mean, you got to really play it safe there. All right, Jimmy, what do you got next? Number seven on my list is uh, Paradise. You guys ever hear of Paradise? Paradise is that off of Sawyer? It is. It's in oh, like the nice. area, and that is uh, that has probably it's got like a small swimming hole feel. You know, it's it's only got so much sunlight per day because it's it's in the middle of the river in the forest, so uh, it's got some a lot of shade. But uh, it offers a like about a twenty foot cliff that you can jump, uh, which is very safe. 
Um, and it also has a rope swing that you can go off of. Mm. The hike down to it is really, really steep. So if you had anybody like an older that's having trouble getting around like Stomp, um, <laughs> you, know, you might want to leave them up on Sawyer Road, you know? Oh, Ow! <laughs> nice. Zinger. <laughs> nice. What else you got, Jimmy? Right, number six on my list is uh, list is uh, ladies' bathtub right right down in um, in Lincoln. It's not too far away from the the highway, right off exit thirty two. That offers um, you know public parking, and it has probably one big pool that can you know hold a ton of people. It's 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 bit, always busy there, but it's never too busy because uh, the amount of parking available I think limits that. But that's it's just it's gorgeous there, you know. So if you want to just get like an a, take a quick dip, you know, if you're in town getting a bite to eat down in Lincoln, you want to take a nice quick dip. I think Ladies Bathtub is a great place to just put that and you know chill out. Very cool. Yeah, I've never heard of that. I'll have to have to look that up. And I will be putting all the stuff in the show notes. What uh, what do you got next, Jimmy? Number uh, five on my list is Lower Falls. Oh, this, this is a big tourist section, though. This it is. is a big tourist place. It is, yeah. It's, it's not great on a busy day. The reason why it is great on a busy day is because you can people watch. <laughs> and, and and sometimes it might sound, you know, um, terrible, but the rocks are so slippery there. And when people have wet feet, they just they go down quick. Mm-hmm. So you could just sit there and you could probably, on, on like a two-hour span, you could probably watch 75 people fall. Yeah, yeah. The- this is a, it's a dangerous place too. It can be, I think early in the season, I want to say, was it three, four years ago, there was a mother and a daughter that unfortunately passed away there. I think they got swept away by the, by the river at lower. Yeah. And I think that was because of the early, early season conditions. I think the water is way too cold. I think that was one of the cases. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this is on the lower falls is located on uh, the Kangamangas highway, uh, on the North Conway side, as you approach, it's just past the Albany Bridge, and um, it, it gets very crowded. There's a, um, you know, there's a big parking lot, and then there's parking along the road, and you'll get hundreds and hundreds of people on a summer day there. So it, it's a cool area. It's got like these, um, like natural rock slides that the kids can go down and stuff. And when when the water level is correct, like late summer, it's fun. But like Jimmy said, like it gets crazy slippery there and um, it, it can be a dangerous spot. But if you're in like uh, on a week in, in the summertime, like not 4th of July week or something like that. But if you go on a weekday, you know, it's gorgeous. It's a, You get a bunch of room to spread out. There's picnic tables. Obviously, you're going to pay to park there and stuff like that. But, um, you know, that's a great space. Awesome. Nice. Nice. Number four on my list, I have Emerald Pool and it's it's over by Pinkham. Not Emerald of bald face, right? Where all the naked people go? Not the emerald of bald face. It's <laughs> oh, emerald oh. of it's just uh north of Pinkham Notch. Okay. Um and it's great. It's uh me and my son went there um for the first time because we got sick of just doing the liquid Saki thing. So we took a summer where we went and just explored all the the popular spots and that offers you know a good you know 15 foot jump that's safe for all kids the pool's very deep mm-hmm. the water is very cold there but the one thing that i really liked there was that they have tons of trout in the pool hmm. so if you bring your fly fish fly fishing rod you could just watch them like from like four feet under just coming 
coming to strike you fly like a, watching a shark come up on shark week hmm. like it's just awesome that's cool what's what's the etiquette if you um i'm gonna mention our friend casey because he's a big fisherman but like if you go there and you're gonna go swim and then all of a sudden casey is there ahead of you and he's fishing are you like not allowed to swim because you don't want to screw up his fishing experience or can you just swim no matter what me as a fisherman and a swimmer i would say just do whatever makes you happy um, I'm sure if Casey had an opinion, maybe he'd be like, you know, if I'm fishing, you know, find another spot, maybe. Um, okay. I don't know. I, but Casey's really easy going about that too. You know, like, you know, yeah. let people do what they want to do. Cause honestly, when there was people uh, swimming there, I was still catching fish. Oh, okay. All right. So, so, um, so it didn't really matter too much to be honest with you. Um, but I, I don't know as far as like, I mean, I guess it all depends on the person that's fishing. Like if they're a really hardcore fisher and maybe a grumpy old man or something like that. And then they'd probably say, get the hell out of there. But uh, nice. I don't know if they had just a good outlook on life and didn't care as much like me and Casey, they'd probably be like, you know, have fun. Hmm. You know? All right. So Emerald Pool. So what, what do you got next? Number three on my list is Breezy Point. Isn't that down by uh, Musalak? Uh, it's called Musalake. <laughs> <laughs> Either or. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's by Musalak uh, down by uh, Carriage Road, <laughs> and, and that's a, it's an awesome spot. Like we have a great time there. It's great for kids. They have a number of different cliffs that you can jump off of into the same pool. All different sorts of heights. Nothing like crazy. Kids don't get hurt there. Um, there's fish there. Um, there's a lot of sunshine there. There's a couple of pools of water where you can just kind of chill out in. And then for a little bit further downstream, there's a water slide. And I don't know if a lot of people get to that because they're too busy jumping off the cliffs and having fun at the top portion. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody really walks down a little bit further, but there's an awesome little like naturally made water slide that um, it's pretty cool. And then it goes down into a couple of different pools mm-hmm. that. Um, that if you stand on the top of the cliffs of the pools, you can see trout all in there. So that's a that's a really cool place. That's the uh, Baker River, right? Yeah, correct. Yep. And I think there's a campground like almost right across the street from it. But um, yeah, that that place is it gets packed. Uh, there's usually a porta potty there as well. But they have like a, you can swim in that in the porta potty. Yeah, you can just jump right in. <laughs> nice. There's not a ton of parking, um, but you can also park on on one eighteen on the sides of the road right there. Cars usually slow down because they see a lot of people do it. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's that's a great spot. Me and my family we have a great time there every, every summer. We make a stop in there. So, mm-hmm. number two is Indian Leap. Indian Leap is a place that has multiple different levels of cliffs that you can jump into pools that are, uh, are rather deep. So you never touch them. I never touch the bottom. They have anywhere from 10 foot cliffs to like 40 foot cliffs and they range in difficulty of where you need to land. Um, uh, Stomp didn't really master that. Uh, the first time we went, he scared the every living daylights out of me. Um, I think he, I think his toe scraped like the, like this rock that undercut everything under the water. And like, I thought I was going to have to like carry him out of the scary day. 
scary <laughs> but um yeah my son loved it you know his five six-year-old son was jumping like 40 foot cliffs and it was like we just had a blast we went there we'd stop there for like a jump and we'd be there for like three hours jumping lose so much time there and have so much fun mm-hmm. uh, but then the last couple of times we went or the last time we went um there was just all boulders covering the parking and um everything was basically shut down because the landowner said that everybody was like littering and um you know the space was just becoming you know a trash heap so yeah i can give you some insight on this sure i i brought my truck up to get some repair work done up in uh woodstock and one of the landowners came in and we were chatting and um Basically, I think it's a function of the lockdowns and the restrictions and a lot of the migration out of the big cities to the north. Um, I mean, we saw it on some of the major trailheads. I mean, the trailheads were being sort of overrun. And a lot of the swimming holes, including the Pemi River, some of the, the, the popular spots that you would drop into the Pemi River have been closed because they were just getting overrun by outer staters and they were just uh, disrespecting landowner rights and just making a mess of the place. So unfortunately, Indian Leap is one of those places the landowners have closed it down completely. There are boulders, there are um, you know drainage holes that your truck will fall into if you try to park on the shoulder. You basically have to park a mile down away from this place to get to it now, which is unfortunate. But you know, to be honest with you, it's such a great place that if you're willing to walk, it, go for it. It's it's awesome, but you're not going to be able to park there anymore, and uh, it's just one of the the casualties of uh, covid do you think that um you know once we start getting back to normal that the landowner will lighten up and start removing the boulders or what's your take on that you know i didn't discuss that with them um i don't know it's a good question i hope so i really do because that i mean there are so many places that have been impacted by this whole change of circumstances but uh yeah who knows yeah because that's a great great spot it really is yeah, and that tends to happen in the whites. Like you, you'll you'll have trails that people use that get shut down because of you know property owners change their minds about things, and then you'll see this with swimming holes as well. And there's a there's a whole bunch of trails that are shut off over the years just because of, of property issues. So COVID's been a a point of tension over the last uh, year or so, and it's it's still shaking out. So. So what's the uh, so what's the, the 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 final one for you, Jimmy? My number one spot in New Hampshire for swimming holes is Big Eddie, which is Big Eddie. Big Eddie, which is in the Swiftwater Covered Bridge in Bath, New Hampshire. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that is the place to be in the summertime. It's get it gets plenty of sun. It's got a magnificent view of a waterfall, and the in the background is a covered bridge. Directly under the covered bridge is a, a couple of really nice pools that you could be like waist deep and they have like gentle slopes so you can pick up right on that in that area. Or if you go lower than the falls, there's a gigantic pool, probably about maybe 15, 20 feet deep. Uh, plenty of fish down there. But there's like mid-level falls where you, like there's a pool on the top of the falls that you could just chill out in. It's an infinity pool. And then there's a rock pebble beach where you can just kind of chill out, put your chairs out, watch everybody, and just people watch. It's just such a great spot. That's cool. I'm familiar with the area. I work just south of there. 
but I'm drawn to like a, a I'm trying to separate the the locations. So there's another bridge that's sort of en route towards that whole Maramari area. You're you're talking about a different spot, right? So if you go past them, if you go past, if you go north past the Maramari site, the Maramari site will be on your left, the old tree. Yep. You go around that corner and then you come up to a gas tank that uh, gas station that has like the pig, um, the pig face on the tanks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as soon as you take that S corner, the bridge is right on the right. Okay. Yeah, I know where it is. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. That's cool. Yeah. They get across that bridge and then take a left into the parking lot. And I've been going to that place ever since I was like three years old. Hmm. So is this, this is in Haverhill on 112 off of 112? It's in Bath. Bath. Okay. Got yeah, it. Got Bath, it. Got Hampshire, it. Yeah. So um, it's just a, a side note where we're talking about Mara Murray is that, that tree actually got cut down by the uh, by the uh, the property owners. So there was a memorial tree there that got cut down, and this whole big controversy with the family. But I, th- I think we might have touched on that on the uh, episode six or seven. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah, that still just mystifies me on how she just disappeared into thin air. Like it's <laughs> yeah. it's got to be solved in my lifetime. I feel. Do bad. you think like how, how far is this water this location from the the crash site? Close. Uh, yeah, I would say like a half a mile. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, my theory with Moramari is that she's she's in the woods somewhere. But I do wonder, you know, maybe she got hit by a car when she was running. Maybe somebody abducted her. And I do wonder, like, you know, these water locations that are close by have they been fully searched? You know, you get a you get to wonder whether or not somebody might if if somebody if it was foul play involved. I wonder if. You know the, these water locations that are close by that area have been looked at um, to see if she maybe maybe in one of them. Mm-hmm. I think that there was uh, one of, as part of like that seven series um, that was on like the Oprah Fin uh, Winfrey Network. I, yeah, oxygen. Yeah, that, yeah that did, there was some kind of like um, psychic. Yeah, yeah, psychic. Yeah, uh, it must be the gummy bears kicking in. But, yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the psychic said that there was she was in water around that area, you know. And what I think is, and it's not too far away from where that happened, is I think that she's going to be near the Elbow Pond area for some reason. I don't know. I just have a weird feeling about that area. It's just so, like, secluded. And one time, me and Stomp were camping down there, and there was, like, some locals that came down there, and mm. they were, like, you know, pounding beers and like they had that band going it just looked like a band you would not want to get into you know really yeah i mean uh, yeah i mean i think we we i want to do a little bit of hiking down there and and, and sort of check that area out mm-hmm. but it's there's just a lot of areas that she could be in so we'll see yeah. we'll, we'll do a deeper dive on mara murray in the future uh, this is all good stuff. Like I said, we'll put this all in the show notes so that uh, people can do some research. And, you know, I'm sure that all these secret swimming spots are now ruined based on uh, our show. So, <laughs> uh, but let's transition over to uh, search and rescue discussion here. So we got two search and rescues here, Stomp, that I want to cover with you. And the first one is a Injured hiker carried off of the Carter Mariah Trail. So this is a 48-year-old male hiker from Berwick, Maine. Mm-hmm. 
was descending after summiting Mount Moriah. So Mount Moriah is in the Pinkham Notch area on the uh, the north side of, of Pinkham Notch. And right. I guess this guy slipped mm-hmm. on a steep granite slab on the trail, which it's a trail is full of steep granite slabs. So he slipped on mm-hmm. it and uh, injured his lower leg. And the interesting thing about this one is that um, – Rescue personnel responded, and there was a wilderness first responders class from Solo, which you talked about in episode four, Mm -hmm. out of the Conway area. So they were able to mobilize that Solo class and hike in from the trailhead near uh, Bangor Street in Gorham. Yeah. And uh, they were able to treat the leg injury. So it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, that's a new resource. Um, For this mission, that far north, you're still dealing with winter conditions. Plenty of snow up above. Um, So this individual fell, hurt his leg, and um, you had a response by New Hampshire Fishing Game, Androscoggin Valley Search and Rescue, and Solo, which is Stone Earth Open Learning Opportunities. Whenever they're in session with students and there's a call, Fishing Game can now actually call upon them for assistance. So that's fantastic. I mean, you have X amount of people that can just, boom, let's go. Let's do it. And um, they can support the mission. So that's what happened in this case. So this person was three miles up on Carter Mariah, hurt his leg. Um, Apparently, from what I understand, there was um, an ATV that was able to make it all the way up to Mount Surprise, which is couple thousand feet up they were able to get this individual down without any issue yeah and i know that in the in the fishing game report it does mention that androscoggin valley search and rescue was involved in this so my guess is i'm assuming that whoever is involved with solo probably has a like they have a relationship with pemi they probably have a relationship with absar and right. look at this as like a um sort of a feeding pool for the the absar team as well yeah, and this is like a, it's a slip and fall. So again, like going back to sort of like subjective rating system, this would be a, a no shame <laughs> scenario. So unless unless there's something I wasn't aware of, but um, so the next one is there was a rescue, a search and rescue carryout situation on Welsh Dickey, and I know last episode we talked about a rescue on Welsh Dickey, but this is a this is a separate incident. So Stomp, do you want to break this one down? Mm, this is a case of deja vu and um you know comparing this year to last year we had a few places such as welch dickey and cascade basin which popped up as being really popular spots for injuries and rescue calls and this year so far dickey's in the running um we had a rescue two weeks ago on dickey and on may 1st we had a second so on this one fishing game was notified of a hiker on Dickey, um, uh, an individual 71 years old out of Concord who was descending Welch Dickey Loop Trail below the summit of Dickey when he suffered a, a leg injury. So f- at this point, we had Campton Thornton, Waterville Valley Fire Rescue, and uh, thankfully Waterville Valley Ski Patrol who were training in the area to help out as well on this carryout, and they carried him down about one mile to the trailhead. 
So, on this case, they did not call any of the volunteer search and rescue teams because they had the assistance of the Waterville Valley Ski Patrol. <laughs> That's fortunate. <laughs> Plenty of bodies. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And then, then well, sticky. It seems, like, it seems like it's becoming a hot spot. It does. And, you know, when I read this report... I, I'm not sure which direction they were going, whether this person was going clockwise or counterclockwise, but it almost sounds like, you know, when you read it, it says, was descending Welch Dickey Loop Trail. I don't, below the summit of Dickey Mountain, I'm not sure what direction they were going. I mean, there are definitely ways you want to approach Welch Dickey. You do not want to be descending Welch if it's wet. Um, you can certainly ascend it. Again, it's sort of vague in the report, but uh, yeah, it's common themes though. It's it's steeper ascents and it's um, slab, open slab type uh, mountains, and you know it gets slick mm-hmm. and people slip and fall, and that's why I always say like one of the more critical uh, pieces of equipment that you want to bring with you is a splint, and the in the hopes that you you might be able to you know, secure yourself on your own and get out Mm -hmm. uh, on your own. Not that doesn't always happen. Sometimes you break your ankle or you break your, break a bone and you need a rescue. So don't hesitate to call, but just be aware that in those conditions that, 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 you know, it's more likely that if you do slip, it's going to be bad. Right. And that's all we have for rescues. So far, knock on wood, it's been a fairly uneventful shoulder season. I mean, it's getting warmer, so we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. But, um, we're off to a, a decent start. Yeah, yeah. So I think our our next segment was going to be a gear list. So I had basically like my my three season um, hiking gear list, but I think we're going to table that until the next episode. Yeah. I will post uh, my gear list on a uh, on the show notes and and separately on the Slasher Podcast website. But I wanted to just close out our last segment uh, by preparing everybody to keep safety in mind for uh, this upcoming summer. And what I wanted to do was to just break down um, on the, on the slasherpodcast.com website, I have a search and rescue report. And on that report, I take a look at the 2020 cases and I break down um, some of the, the, common themes as far as the data goes, like how many incidents there are on a monthly basis, where the states are of the residents that get into trouble. And um, I also, as part of this, I put together a list of six of the most noteworthy search and rescue events for um, for 2020. So I think most of these are going to fall into the shame category instead of the no shame category. So I wanted to go over them and get Jimmy and uh, Stomp's reaction to them and Stomp in particular, you know, if you can give some advice on how to stay safe and, and avoid these, these pitfalls. Mm. So <laughs> the first one I am going to go over is, and Jimmy will have some feedback on this one as well. Um, the first one I wanted to go through was an incident that happened in July of last year. And this was a hiker that was going up the Tuckerman Ravine Trail. And uh, it was a, a male hiker, I think in his 20s from Quincy, Mass. And he, the um, fishing game got a call in the afternoon, was hiking on a Saturday. And <laughs> this guy, this is interesting. So in Tuckerman Ravine, there is what we call a snow arch. So this guy was hiking in July and he decided that he was going to walk under the snow arch to get like this epic photo. And, you know, the, the Tuckerman Ravine 
um, section has like this, it's typically like the last area of snow that melts during the year. So this guy stepped under that snow arch just at the point where it was, it decided that it was going to collapse. So <laughs> the article specifically says that uh, um, a basketball court size amount of snow fell on top of this dude's head. <laughs> so luckily they were able to, uh, to get him out. But, um, you know, the rescue crews had, you know, determined that this guy suffered some serious injuries and they had to carry him down the trail. And then I think when they got him to Hermit Lake, they were able to put him in an ATV. But, um, I mean, my first reaction when I read this was like, don't stand under a basketball court size uh, amount of snow in the summer in July as it's melting. Well, yeah, I have a, I mean, you can go to Wentworth in the summer for summer courses and figure out an equation for heat and snow melt and gravity and stuff like that. They'll tell you the equation so you can determine whether or not you should go under it or not. That's all. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Yes. Yeah, I would just say, don't go under it. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think I that's pretty clear. I don't really do any wrong math in that equation, you know. And be like, yeah, sure, I can go under it. My algorithm says. <laughs> what if What if Siri said you could? Like, like Siri, can I go under that? <laughs> yeah. But this is when you guys ask me, like, you know, how do you determine shame versus no shame? Like, <laughs> I just sit there and read this and I go, this guy shouldn't have been standing under a snow pile in July. So, um, but if you've ever hiked Tuckerman in the early summer, you know exactly what the snow arch is all about. So don't go over. Yeah. Yeah. But second one I have. Hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on. Back up because I'm in this guy's category. I'm, I put my foot in a snowboard on the watcher. Okay. So I can't, pass judgment on anybody <laughs> yeah but i was i was there you know and i'm always always a good moral compass you know so i said jamie you can't be doing this you're gonna get hurt you're gonna blow out a hip or something you know exactly exactly so all right so the, that if you're in tuckerman do not stand under the snow arch this year please we don't want another rescue there <laughs> But then the next one that I wanted to cover, this happened This happened in May of 2020, so the end of May. So kind of right around this time, you know, usually Memorial Day weekend, you know, it's still, still muddy, but it's drying out. But this was an incident where uh, it was Saturday, it was 8 p.m., and there was a report that was received via 911 that there was an injured woman descending the bridal path in uh, Franconia. And over the course of the day, this hiker had fallen several times on slippery trail. And, you know, by the time that she had called 911, she could no longer continue because of multiple injuries. Uh, a team of conservation officers and volunteers from the PEMI search and rescue had responded to the trailhead and I guess hikers had come upon this lady. She had multiple injuries because of falling and they had piggybacked her down the trail until the search and rescue teams had got there about a mile from the trailhead. And then she was able to um, make her way, make her way down. So I think stop. Were you involved in this search? Do you remember this? I remember it, but I was not, I think I was adjacent to it. Let's just say that. I think it was a day that there were multiple calls and there were multiple resources going this way and that way. So I was not personally involved. Got it. Yeah. And I think the thing that stands out here is that, you know, she fell multiple times, which mm-hmm. it seems a little odd yeah. to me. Usually it's a one and done. Right, right. So is that shame or no shame? I don't, I'm not sure about that one. I think I had this one as shame just because she had to get piggybacked down by a, a 
random group of hikers. So piggyback equals shame. I think so. I think so. So, um, all right. So these next two are, um, we talked about this in a previous episode, but they're two separate incidents where fathers took their kids up hiking in, um, in, on Mount Washington. So both of these happened on the Jewel Trail. So the first one is a father who had um, hiked in, and I guess this guy was from Westport, Connecticut, and he saw a bear on the Jewel Trail. So uh, he had an eight-year-old with him, and they saw the bear. And, you know, like, I haven't seen a bear in the wild, honestly, but I think if I did, I would just sort of just keep moving along, and I assume that the bear would take off. Um, but they called 911 and said, like, there's a bear here. <laughs> what do we do? And the 911 operator just told them to um, go ahead and move, make some noise, and it won't harm them. And um, they started heading down the trail, and this happened at 9 o'clock at night. So um, around 10 o'clock, this gentleman decided to call again because uh, he had lost a trail and didn't have a light. Mm. So he called 911 because he was afraid of a bear. Then he called 911 because he didn't have a light. And, um, at that point, you know, I guess they were able to get the battery going on the phone again. He called 911 at 11.30 PM with only like minimal, uh, battery life. And they were able to get his GPS location. He was about a mile away from the Cog Railroad base station Mm -hmm. and, um, fishing game arrived and, you know, they were able to uh, hike up the trail, make contact with him and his son. And they got, Back in the parking lot at 2 a.m., so I'm guessing that this guy got got some pain from his wife when he when he got home. That's a shame, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So no light. He's freaking out over bears. He's freaking out over uh, losing the trail. And then, you know, he's getting home at 2 in the morning, so it's not good. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I mean, that's a classic hike-safe scenario. I mean, did this guy look at the hike-safe site? Did he have all that stuff in his pack? Did he have the proper clothing? Did he have the lights, the batteries, um, a map? Yeah, yeah. So that event happened in June, and then fast forward to August of 2020, and there was a similar event with a family of six where uh, the father had uh, four children with him. Uh, I'm assuming then maybe there was a, a wife or somebody else involved, but they, they don't make any mention of of that. But um, children ages 7 to 14 and they were on the Jewel Trail, and uh, it was 9.30 at night. <laughs> I have no idea when they started. Um, but due to fatigue and darkness, they had become disoriented and did not know exactly where they were. And the, the Jewel Trail, I don't know if you guys have been on there, but oh, yeah. there is like a couple of tricky sections where you've got to sort of do almost like a 180 tr- left-hand turn to get down and my guess is like there's definitely a bootleg trail that like goes straight when you're supposed to go left Mm -hmm. and i think that what ends up happening is that people just keep going straight when they're supposed to take a hard left and they panic and get get lost especially when you don't have um you know everybody in top top condition so that sounds like they didn't have any lights and he's got four kids with him and they're all bonking Mm -hmm. And I guess apparently they and they called nine one one and around eleven o'clock at night, 
Uh, they were able to um, hike out under their own power, but it was another walkout where fishing game made contact with them around eleven fifteen or so. Jeez, so. <laughs> it's amazing, huh? <laughs> so um, the next one that I have here is you know, and you, this is a common theme with these lights. I mean, uh, people starting late and they don't have headlamps. I mean, mm-hmm. it, and I can't stress this enough. Like, if you have one headlamp, you have none. You should have two headlamps, and you should have backup batteries. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's, it's critical that you have those because if you if something happens and you're out there late and you have no lights, you're screwed. Yeah. Which brings me to my next next incident, which was on Mount Liberty, and this is similar to you know we've talked about this before, but I think this crew went up the Flume Slide Trail, so it was two female hikers in October. Um, they were at the summit of Mount Liberty at approximately 7.30 p.m. No lights, no water, um, no cell phone battery left, and they were basically asking for help. They realized that they were screwed. They had no essential gear um, needed to survive, and obviously it gets cold in October. So they were um, you know, thirsty but uninjured, and I think it was another, another walkout. Mm. Incredible. Flume Slide Trail is the most notorious trail on this western side of the Whites. It really is. I mean, I hear constant squabbling about they should just shut it down, just close it or reroute it. I mean, so many people get in trouble up there. Yeah, and there was a there was actually a post on social media this week about um, all trails, and all trails has this rated as like a five star hike. And <laughs> you know, people that don't know anything, they just look at all trails, and they all trails is an app that you can use to um, you know plan out hiking. It's very popular. They do a good job with their marketing, but mm-hmm. you know, people see it and they say, "Oh, you know, it's a short hike," but they don't look at the contour lines and realize how steep and dangerous. It, dangerous it is mm-hmm. first time i did it in october we had our first snowfall and i went to try to get a sunrise solo and i lost the trail for about a half hour and i was about a half hour late for the sunrise but um so if you go out there and you don't know where you're going it's not always easy to navigate that <clears throat> that lower area as well mm-hmm yeah, yeah. So it's uh, you, you got to know what you're doing if you're going to go up the flume slide trail, and you've got to have your headlamps and your food and, and the proper clothing, especially in October. Um, so I think the the last one that I have here is a November incident that happened on uh, in the Pemi uh, Wilderness on the East Side Trail. There was a gentleman that uh, from Florida that had been hiking. He had a medical emergency. Um, you know, I guess they got lost. I guess he was hiking with another another friend. They got lost on uh, Wednesday. They had to spend a long, cold, and wet night in the Pemi Wilderness. And um, you know, daybreak hit on Thursday, and eventually, I think one of these, you know, one gentleman from Florida was unable to continue. His hiking partner left and hiked out to the Pemi Ranger Station in, in Lincoln Woods, and they were able to determine he was about three and a half miles from the trailhead, and I think eventually this one ended up with a rescue via ATV and then a helicopter flight to Dartmouth uh, Hitchcock Medical. So I, I don't know, Stomp, if you were, if, if Pemi was involved in this one or if this was just fishing game, but um, just not prepared to be out in that cold condition overnight. I mean, when you get wet in cold conditions, it's it can be you know hypothermia mm-hmm. can 
um, hit pretty quickly. But I think that this guy is probably at the end of the day, um, the temperatures dropped into the low teens and, and it was snowing at night. Uh, he got out and he's alive and I'm sure he's lucky to be alive there. So it's, it's crazy. So this is just, you know, the, the vast majority of people that hike don't have any issues, but we bring these cases up as just a reminder of common mistakes that we see people make. And, you know, we want everyone to stay safe out there when they're hiking this summer. But, you know, you do have to realize that there are situations where people do get in trouble and, you know, you want to be thinking through how you can mitigate that risk as, as best you can. Yeah, there has to be a plan B. And a plan C. I mean, you really have to be ready for the unexpected, especially in the um, the winter. Yep. Yeah. Very much. Uh, very much so. So I think this is a wrap here, Stomp. We've we've gone a little long, but you know, anything else that you want to cover? No, I'll just edit out all Jimmy Chaga stuff. We'll we'll be fine. Why did I do that bad? <laughs> <laughs> no, you were good. <laughs> no, no, but Mike, I mean. Based upon those stories, I mean, you, you sort of lapsed on the the shame. Let me add, were those all? Those are mostly all shames, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I didn't want to get you know the guy, the guy with the helicopter. I didn't really want to get into uh, shaming him too much. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about the topics covered on today's show, please check out the show notes and safety information on slasserpodcast.com. That's S-L-A-S-R podcast.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until next time, on behalf of Mike and Stomp, get out there and crush some peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, Chris Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike ever. Fishing game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse. Officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots and there was a wind chill of minus one degree. And there's three words to describe this race. Do we all know what they are? Holy Lieutenant James Neeland, New Hampshire Fish and Game. Lieutenant, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? It seems to me the most common is being unprepared, and I think if they just simply visited uh, hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us at all.